You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The world is filled with many questions such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change and when should we start building our rafts? Hello everyone, you may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to Monster Talk. I'm Karen Stoltz-Snow. And I'm Blake Smith. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Talk. Hi, welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. Today we're going to be talking about upcoming episodes and chat a little bit about the show and give some personal updates. Monster Talk. I was thinking that it would be good um, to talk about just, well, honestly, we used to do more episodes where we would, you know, get together before we did our interviews and just kind of shoot the breeze a little bit. And we don't do that as much as we used to. And I wish we had more time. Yeah, we used to do that, definitely. And I think we've just been so busy in recent years that we have just met up a couple of minutes beforehand. And I know. I'm always- made sure all the equipment's working and gotten straight into it. And not only do we lose that sort of conversational uh, tone, uh, I, I think it comes through in the interviews, okay, but I mean... Um, it is fun to just talk. I mean, we don't get to talk very much. and, and it, it, Well, it's nice. yeah, we don't live in the same city and we used to catch up at TAM and various other conferences and things. And, in fact, you've got uh, DragonCon coming up next week, I don't do. you? I uh, do, yeah. And, I, you know, I'm, foolishly, I haven't put any plugs for that in the show up until now. I'm not actually involved in any of the panels, but I will be there at DragonCon for the first time in – I think this would be the first time I'll be really active in maybe three years. So. Okay. Well, I took a look at the schedule, and I have to admit there are lots of names that I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah, and I, I was there's some really cool stuff in the Skeptics track. There's a ton of things I want to do as just a fan, and I'm usually – I guess I had been very busy in, uh, doing volunteer work and getting on panels and attending you know, a lot of the Skeptics track stuff. And Derek does a great job with that, and I love mm-hmm. it, and I'm, I'm really excited because it's uh, it's caused – are inspired, I guess, lots of other skeptical uh, presence at these sort of mm-hmm. fan conventions. But um, oh, this yeah. year, I, I want to do a lot of lurking in the <laughs> uh, in the in the uh, paranormal track. They have a, a paranormal track there, and there's a lot yes. of people that I'd like to talk to because um, 
you know, I think we've talked about this before that in the field of skepticism, um, mm-hmm. as a as a as sort of a it, it exists as, as a sort of adjunct to scientific uh, uh, skepticism. Th- this sort of casual. I don't know how to put it. It's not an academic skepticism. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like we, we do investigations, we do research, and many of the people who do this kind of work are credentialed and they have the, the right skills um, mm-hmm. to do really good quality work. But in general, I, I don't think there exists a, a, a field of uh, scientific investigation into paranormal and fringe claims as a, as a, as a field of study. You know? mm-hmm. But uh, if there is such a thing i think it exists as kind of a smaller group of people who are interested in skepticism as a methodology because there are these huge topics like uh alt alt meds a huge one uh, people mm-hmm. are really interested in that and they do great work and they save lives and that's an important one i mean it really is it, i don't it, think it, there's any kind of hierarchy some people no, no, have no. spoken about no some but, topics being more important than others but but it seems like paranormal claims in popular culture get get a huge amount of i don't want to say press it's not ink per se but i mean they get a lot of tv time it's covered in the media a lot mm-hmm. um but the sort of we this whole show exists as sort of a, an alternative an inverse uh, view Mm-hmm. of those topics, right? So if you watch the Discovery Channel or the History Channel or uh, any show or TV show that's that's uh, trying to make an interesting bit of entertaining television, they're mm-hmm. going to be more inclined to cover the claims, the paranormal claims or the fringe claims, without really doing a lot of critical examination of the facts, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my husband, until recently, worked for a production company that uh, produced a lot of reality TV, and certainly they're not interested in in the explanations for these things. They're exactly. interested in the folklore and the stories. And then this is a long way of me getting to the part where, but <laughs> in this field, there are people like us who are really skeptical of of the underlying causes, but are fascinated by the stories and the phenomena and the experience and we're sympathetic yeah. to the people who are going through things and, and we're, we're interested in why people sometimes do hoaxes. All these various mm-hmm. ways that this material could be processed besides just a creepy story to tell before the lights go out. So. Yeah, well, I think most skeptics that I'm friends with got into skepticism not because of skepticism but because of a love of these topics of cryptids or uh, ghost stories and uh, that's really how they found their way into skepticism. Do you feel sometimes, though, like even though that's the case, that within the whole group we're kind of in a ghetto? Because I do. I feel like we're like we're in a ghetto of we're the ones who are interested in ghosts. Because a lot of skeptics will dismiss that, and I would say that that would be the wrong thing to do. But you yeah, know. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, certainly had people say things to me over the years. I remember maybe two decades ago now, just writing an article for the Australian Skeptic magazine about ghosts. And um, an anti-fan wrote in and complained that I was doing yet another ghost investigation. And why was I bothering? Because ghosts clearly don't exist. Why was I wasting my time with this? And so I think that you get that attitude with a lot of skeptics that they think there's no point in, in researching that or Bigfoot because these things just don't exist, obviously. And um, you know, why would we want to pursue them? But I think we have good reason to investigate claims uh, on an individual level and not just a concept, uh, but also because we're interested in these things and you know, we just love the folklore. 
I, I agree with that 100%, which is, you know, part of the reason why I think the show's still going. <laughs> well, clearly many other people agree with us as well. But I wanted to say about Dragon Con, if you're going to be looking into the paranormal track, I believe that a friend of mine is going to be appearing this year by the name of Aidan Sinclair. Okay. He's a magician. And he's got a show called Illusions of the Past. And so what he does is he incorporates history and magic together and um, he, he gives a really great show. So he's, there's nothing about him that speaks about belief or um, that, that he's not a skeptic. He is a skeptic, but he basically does seances and uh, just a number of other magic tricks that include ghost stories and historical stories. And so go and check him out and tell him I said hi. Okay, I will. Uh, let's uh, remind me to put that in the show notes as well. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he's got a, a gig, an ongoing gig at the Stanley Hotel, and so he does shows there. I think oh, about okay. four or five nights a week, and uh, so you get people who travel the country and the globe, basically uh, going there to to check out the haunted Stanley Hotel, and uh, whilst they're there, they hear about his seances and they attend those, and they're a lot of fun. I. I had uh, a really fun experience staying at the Stanley a few years ago. In fact, it was um, before we started Monster Talk. Um, mm-hmm. There was um, a, a ghost video, the Pinjara Ghosts Cemetery video, I think was where it was. And uh, Kylie Sturgis and I um. collaborated on that. And it was so interesting because there I was uh, working. I w- it was My wife was there for a conference and I got to go. I was working for my company and she was working for hers. But uh-huh. at the same time, I was uh, sitting in this famous old hotel and doing ghost research and... Uh, she was tied up with my wife was tied up with the not with ropes but with the conference requirement. I don't know where you thought I was going with that. <laughs> that Get was your mind story. out of the gutter. So <laughs> I was I was uh, I was I was tied up a lot with work, but I spent a lot of that free time wandering the Stanley at night by myself and and trying to figure out what was going on in this ghost video. And it was such mm-hmm. a fun experience. And um, huh. so I, I really like that place. It's really nice. I don't think it's well, haunted, but it, I, it's really fun. So. Oh, lots of great stories there. And I went on an investigation with Brian and Baxter years ago, and uh, they were there with a, an author who was writing a book about the Stanley Hotel. And, and so they were there doing an investigation, debunking a lot of the claims. And there were some silly claims, things like the uh, – do you remember the rocking chairs that are out the front of the building, those old white ones yeah. that they were rocking with no one sitting in them? So clearly there were phantom people sitting in these chairs and rocking well, them. And, when you're a ghost, you get tired of walking through walls and scaring people. Sometimes you have to sit down and ex- just yeah. – <laughs> Take a break. But um, I always thought it was funny that they made uh, toilet paper and a ghost hunting tool for the very first time, I think, because people were saying there is no wind here, there's no breeze, there's no way that these seats could be moving by themselves. So they taped toilet paper to the seats to show that there was a wind and that they were moving and being affected by the the wind. Um, So they confirmed that an invisible source was causing them to move. (laughs) <laughs> I guess, I guess, that's it. I'm just imagining the headline, right? So, <laughs> But it was a lot of fun being there, and I really think that we spent most of the night just explaining to people that their photographs of orbs were not photographs of ghosts. Yes. And um, we were there at one point. There was a, uh, a number of people in a group and uh, standing around and talking how about how they could smell phantom cigar smoke. And 
so we identified the source, the location where this was coming from. And it was a guy who was sick of paying hotel prices because the restaurant's really expensive there. So he had his own little barbecue and he was making bacon burgers. Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds so, delicious. What? But I think it's interesting, <laughs> interesting pareidolia too, that people could smell bacon and meat and think that that's cigar smoke. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's, and I think, um, that's a place that definitely primes people to be looking for the unusual. I mean, like that's an a hmm. interesting trend in a lot of hotels, um, especially old ones, where they, they don't necessarily advertise that they're haunted, but they, they well, the don't. Stanley they do. Well, the Stanley they do. And I know like um, the Driscoll. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that was the one with the, the painting of the little girl. Exactly. So the, the Driscoll... I didn't see any signs up or anything saying they were haunted, but if you go ask at the front desk, they will produce a, a, a printout with ghost stories. Yes, yep, yep. That happened to us as well. And we went and found that painting of the little girl. And um, I, I can't remember the stories associated with that, but I think it was claimed that she'd stayed in the hotel uh, and that she died there and that she's seen uh, – she might have died on the stairs maybe – I don't recall. There was. Um, they told me that the best stuff was in rooms, and you have to stay in the rooms, which is very convenient. Yeah, so. the, the room. The room always changes, and you get the same thing with the Stanley too. I mean, there are a few of the rooms that are allegedly more haunted than others, but uh, certainly whatever rooms available for the night is the haunted room. The best spirits from the bar was my experience, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, spirits, we've got. Um, I guess we should mention what we are working on. So I don't. We don't have an interview this week. This is just me and you talking a little bit. But lots of things planned, though. We do. We've got. Um, we've been making some really good progress on an episode on demon dolls. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be interviewing Corey Convertito. I think is. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but barring she, unforeseen circumstances, we're certainly planning to. That's <laughs> yes, yes, and um, yeah, she's from the the Key West Art and Historical Society, and so she's the, the curator there yeah. and basically the keeper of Robert the Doll. Robert the Doll. Mm-hmm. I'm Bob Doll, and Bob Doll says. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been wanting to do this one for years, so this is for, really for exciting. Sure. I, I have a friend um, who is very disturbed by Robert the Doll. And I told him I was looking into it for our show. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited about the opportunity to uh, get to some of the facts and folklore behind that case. Oh, yeah. I'm really keen to ask about all the people who write in. You know how that said that uh, if people insult the doll or they're rude to it, then they're cursed and they go yeah. away and bad things happen. So they write letters of apology to him. Yeah, no spoilers. We'll, we, oh. that, that, that's a, well, no, I just meant that's a, a phenomena that you find in a lot of uh, paranormal stories. Uh, the the yeah. Hawaiian uh, legend about don't steal uh, rocks from Hawaii. Don't take the lava. Rocks. Oh, you're making me think of that old Brady Bunch episode. And definitely watch out for Vincent Price if you're on the island. That's a good, good, just a good rule of thumb. So. Uh, <laughs> And then we're also speaking of folklore. Uh, we're, we're planning to actually talk with an actual academic folklorist because while we talk about folklore, we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about how that's actually studied as a as a as a field. And I think that'll oh, be really yeah. interesting. It is systematic. It is, mm-hmm. and um, and it comes up again and again. And kind of being able to distinguish between. You learn this as you study and research these kinds of stories, but you start to develop skills in figuring out whether the elements in the story are 
uh, are they plausible or does this sound like an urban legend or folklore? Yeah, and, and the hallmarks of folklore. But obviously, if you look at the amount of uh, stories that are passed around as sort of spam or email or chain letters, mm-hmm. many of which are really just urban legends. And mm-hmm. I think if you go to like the Snopes website, for example, mm-hmm. um, they, that, that sort of study um, is not widely understood or widely. I mean, people clearly are willing to pass along a story without really caring whether it's true or not, if it interests them. Oh, so, definitely. So. Definitely. If they've uh, got something to gain from it, if they've got a bias. So, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, we've sort of always had a sort of passive approach to this. And it's interesting because when we look at our reviews on iTunes, and by the way, if you don't want to spend any money to support us, there's really no better way to support us than to go to iTunes and give us a free review. But <laughs> when you look, we have almost all positive reviews. But the the negative reviews are usually along the lines of, these guys are so dismissive, they don't believe in anything. They laugh at the believers. They mock them. And I... And I I they haven't listened to any other skeptical podcast then, because I I think we're not like that. I'm not like that as much as ours. I don't know. (laughs) It's possible, but I mean, I guess it's one of those things people can interpret our voices without really knowing us. But well, yeah, sometimes if you listen to one episode or a snippet of it, and maybe it's a about a topic that you're passionate about. Well, right. If if you you love unicorns, you've seen a unicorn. You believe in unicorns. Unicorns you know, cured your grandmother and we do an episode on unicorns and we say, they're just folklore. I, yeah. Okay. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And if you don't give us a chance, then you could come to that conclusion. Right. But I, I I hope that we're doing a better job than that, but I do want to get more interviews with people who are believers, um, which can sometimes be difficult. We've done that occasionally. Yeah. Well, I think they're, they're loath to come onto a show like this because they think they're going to be attacked. And I don't want to attack people. I'd like to get their side. I mean, I don't want to like softball it. I, I would like to ask them, you know, the, the, the subject, you know, what, you know, I, I give you an example is I would really love to talk to a uh, guy lying Playfair, who was the primary researcher on the, the infield poltergeist. poltergeist. That's mm-hmm. an episode that we're definitely working on. I'm reading his book. Um, he's had some very rough experiences working with skeptics in the past, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's wrong for them to be critical of his work. Uh, I mean, they, I don't. But I don't also think it would be right to have him on and be rude to him. I mean, just politely talk Well, I think we, we can find some common ground in that we're interested in these topics. And uh, I think it'd be a good idea in the past. We've had a few believers on, and I think we've always uh, – we haven't had slinging matches at all. It's right, gone no, pretty no. well. I, I, I'd love to have Richard Sugg back on to talk about poltergeists, and, and he definitely had beliefs. He's an interesting guy. He really is, and his his research is, is just amazingly uh, detailed. Um, while he has reached a different conclusion than we have about the likelihood of poltergeists, but his research is great, and his books, are, the writing he's done is interesting. I don't know where he's at with his book, as for, whether getting it published. Oh. But I think I, it can teach us a thing or two to, to be given a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to talk to them. And I, if we can get all that into our Poltergeist episode, we will. If not, we'll still get somebody. Uh, in a worst case scenario, I'll talk about what I've learned by researching. But I, I do like to bring in experts, although this is fun. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We'll see what we can do. Well, we've got some interesting archaeological ties uh, coming in. So we've got um, the Archaeological Fantasies podcast. We're going to do a crossover episode with them. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that, we've been talking about that on Twitter. We have. <laughs> and I'm just delighted that the topic we're going to be talking about is fairies and the fey folk. I am <laughs> so excited about this because they I, I knew you know intellectually that there were ties between um, uh, fairies and 
claims about actual archaeological sites. Uh, but uh, these guys have done a lot more research into it than I ever have, and it is mm-hmm. good stuff. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Certainly a different topic. Yeah, it is. And we've got uh, Ken Fader's going to come back on and talk about archaeological hoaxes. Oh, he's much beloved. He is. And uh, putting, putting the rated R in our archaeology. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but we'll bleep him out. So. Oh, we'll leave a few in. Yeah, so... And that's the stuff we've got on tap. That's the stuff I'm yep. working on. Lots of fun stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure we've both got things we've been, you know, lightly looking at or maybe even deeply looking at. We haven't talked to each other about, but. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, there's always something, isn't there? Yeah. So, and speaking of Enfield, I've got to finish Playfair's book because the next book in my reading list is um, by this author, um, Kareen Stolskano. Oh, yeah. I, I don't like her. <laughs> Well, well, hits and misses. I've got I've got hits and misses, and I've started it, and then I've like I felt like I'm obligated to not read anything else until I finish well, this infill book. And it's, thank you. I don't mind if you put it aside to, to well, finish it's, the it's, playfair. Have you ever seen a picture of my nightstand? It's <gasps> no, I haven't. I built my own. <laughs> Should I have? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm just very proud of this. I made my own. I kept having these stacks of books falling uh-huh. over all the place. Mm-hmm. And so I built a nightstand specifically to keep up with my most active reading list. I've got bookshelves everywhere in my house, like most nerds. But wow, you are dedicated. But yeah, and so I mean, like it's very, very, very specifically built. So I put like a little place on the side to hold notebooks and pencils in case I want to jot any ideas down. And then I've wow. got two rows of bookshelves, and I have recessed LED lighting, and then I have a power strip on the side so that my chargers and stuff for my Kindle and my phone are all there. You're gonna have to put up a picture of this. Yeah, I think I everyone did. wants to see this yeah, it's, and, it's and maybe really... you should copyright this or something. My wife I... won't. She's like, would you please just shut up about it? I'm like, no, no, I'm really proud of my work. So I mean, you know, it's just plywood, but it's a good design. I really like it. So, oh. <laughs> Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing. And I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. We've got a podcast recommendation I think will be really fun and or useful for Monster Talk listeners. I Know Dino, the big dinosaur podcast. Studying dinosaurs can teach us about the prehistoric world, but also the world of today. For example, migration patterns of dinosaur lineages can tell us about the Earth's changing continents. Climate models of dinosaur ecosystems help us understand global warming. Studying dinosaur diets can help show the link between plant and animal evolution. Talk about paleo. Hmm. In many dinosaur (laughs) injuries, paleopathologies are the first known occurrences of diseases. A new episode of I Know Dino comes out every week with new dinosaur discoveries you won't hear about anywhere else. You can find I Know Dino on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
But skeptical I, design, yeah. amazing. <laughs> but I had to, um, I had to get that done mm-hmm. uh, very carefully because I, I did that um, in January when I had uh, two weeks of free time to recover from some surgery that I had had. So I, I wanted to catch listeners up on that. If you're interested in my health, um, mm-hmm. I, I about. In 2008, I got diagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes, and it's not something I've really talked about. It's not on the show, really not much at all. Um, they call it the silent killer because, I, well, people don't typically talk about it. It's one of those things that you're told you've got to cut down on your blood sugar, and then mm-hmm. you're told basically eat these things, and that's kind of the extent of it. And unfortunately, that's really hard to do uh, if if you've been eating poorly for 40 years. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of lots of cases where uh, people have been able to reverse that diagnosis, though. Through. Oh yeah, no, it it it's and it's it's not like an instant death sentence or anything. Well, it's really good of you to talk about this because this is something that most people just keep to their chest, and I think you you just want to help people. And I do. So what what I found was, you know, I didn't have the willpower to stop eating the way I I needed to, and. I looked at a lot of things and I kept getting very concerned that I was going to uh, start having some of the neurological problems that can be associated with it and mm-hmm. vascular problems. I wasn't having those things, but I was beginning to get really concerned and my levels yeah. of sugar had gotten so high they were talking about putting me on insulin. So oh. I decided in, to research uh, like stomach surgery and... Mm-hmm. Um, was that recommended to you or it was something you looked no, into No, but I had, I had several people in my life have gone through that and had dramatic results. And so it's something I was mm-hmm. always interested in. But circumstances turned out that I was economically able to pull this trick off in, in January. Uh, and so I went to Dr. Paul Masick at, mm-hmm. at Northside Hospital in Atlanta. And they performed a gastric sleeve surgery, which essentially is just a stomach reduction. So mm-hmm. by reducing the size of the, the, the stomach, they found that it uh, cha- not only does it like physically restrict the amount of food you can eat, but it also changes um, the enzyme, the hormones that are released by your stomach, and it can like reduce your appetite. So mm. it's very interesting. I, but but by well, doing that, uh, in, in conjunction with like a much healthier diet, which is mm-hmm. easier to pull off, honestly, with the smaller stomach, um, it's much yeah. easier to like because it's basically what they do is they shrink your stomach, they take mm-hmm. you and put you on a higher protein and vegetable diet. And then the like recommend that you don't eat carbs, or if you do eat carbs, it's like the last thing you eat. So you end up eating protein and vegetables first, mm-hmm. and then you're full. And if yeah. you if you wanted to eat a dessert, you might be able to have a bite or whatever. But it's really you're full, and that's a really cool feeling because I don't know that I'd been feeling full any time in the past five or six years. Yeah, well, is this a temporary thing? Is it something that you can have taken out in future? No, no, or? this one is not reversible. Uh, it's a uh, it's a permanent shrinking of the stomach. And okay. uh, just a reminder, I'm not advocating this as a solution to every listener's problem. No, you're I, telling your story. I'm just telling what happened to me and what worked for me, and it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now, um, I'm I'm not completely off. Uh, in fact, I'm actually getting tested tomorrow. The um, um, they do when you have diabetes. They te- you can test your blood every three months to see how it's going, how it's trending over time. And so I'm down to like the lowest dose of medicine I've ever oh, been on. Oh, that's fantastic! And, and it's uh, worth it's, it. And it probably will be able to get off of them completely soon. I'm hoping. So oh. I, my goal is to be at my goal weight 
and to be off the meds by the end of the year. We'll see. Uh, it's, well, it's congratulations on what you've achieved so far because I've just we've been watching photographs of you on Facebook <laughs> and, and you're looking amazing. Yeah, and- I don't have cancer. That's the important thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No wait. <laughs> no, it's actually all good. Uh, you know, I, 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 there's been really inspirational people in my life who've, who've sort of hacked their uh, body and diet by doing, you know, non-surgical solutions. You know, Penn Gillette's uh, lost almost exactly the same amount of weight as me and mm-hmm. from the same starting weight. Uh, and he's done it all through uh, changing his diet to a, a vegetarian program. I mean, he's got a new book out called uh, Presto, how he lost, and it's about how he lost uh, more than 100 pounds, you know. Well, so. I think you've seen, I've lost a lot of weight over the years, but with me, I didn't have bariatric surgery or anything like that. Um, I think when you first met me, Back at Dragon Con in about 2008, I was considerably bigger. Well, and, you know, um, you looked fine to me, but you mentioned that you had been bigger. And I was like, okay. And I was sympathetic because, yeah, I've been up and well, down, but, you know. I, um, I'll i be honest here since you're being honest. And I lost over 100 pounds. Nice. And uh, I went from a size 24 down to a size 8. Wow. We've lost and like another... Like, was like a, a couple of people. A, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was over a period of about five years. So I did it very gradually. That's great. And that was yeah. mostly by uh, exercise and diet changes. Uh, I went pescatarian. So I, I grew up vegetarian because my mother was vegetarian. Mm. And so uh, I went through a period of eating meat. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to cut out um, a lot of things that I'm having in my diet, which can lead to, to me being larger, which is burgers and sausages and various things. And so I just went with seafood and, and uh, predominantly vegetarian diet and just did a stack of walking. I went walking every day, maybe one, two hours a day and just, just dropped it very slowly. That's awesome. But it's been a, a way of life, you know, diet in the sense of a, a way of life. It seems like it has to be. I mean, I mean, I know that there are people who get the bariatric surgery and then gain weight back and I guess I don't want to turn this into yes. a diet show, but I, I do want to, I mean. Well, we should do an episode on yeah, that. I'm sure that we can have a monster angle to it. Oh, you know, actually, I, I, I wrote a, a story one time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Has to be a link somewhere. Well, it, it was one of these, I was trying to do it for like a short film and um, it was, you know, the old urban legend about that uh, they put razor blades in the candy. Oh, they, yeah, the apples. Kind of right. yeah. And so yeah. in the story, uh, a kid's, going to um a uh like he's coming home from trick-or-treating and his mom's driving they're listening to the radio and they mm-hmm. mention on the radio that they're offering free uh x-rays for candy at the hospital uh, <laughs> so that they can check for razor blades and so the mom drives them over there and then when they take the candy and they run it back through the x-ray machine it's a crazy idea now that i'm older but i remember <laughs> when i wrote it i thought yeah that's a great community service now I'm like, yeah your insurance won't pay for that it's going to cost you thousands of dollars or something ridiculous anyway the, the the premise of the story is though they x-ray the candy and something happens the guy spills a soda on the x-ray machine and too much x-ray energy goes into the candy and it starts to grow and it becomes a candy monster right and it's chasing a kid through the hospital and it's just the kids being like relentlessly chased by this monster that's entirely composed of candy and you know it's Halloween night and the monster's alive and he's running and he's running and finally he runs into one of these like you know meeting rooms they have at hospitals and Uh you can kind of see that uh, the kid's running and then the monster kind of comes in after him and then stops 
And then all the people in the room turn and stop. And it's like an Overeaters Anonymous thing. And they're all these huge fat people. And they look at the candy monster. And the candy monster looks at them. And then the next scene is all the fat people standing there with candy all over their faces. And there's no monster. You know? <laughs> How old were you when you wrote this? I was like... 25, you know, just a kid. <laughs> oh, God. You know, you're making me think of a show I watched. It was a documentary I watched it some time ago. And uh, there was a real life case, uh, I guess, of life imitating art. And there was a guy who did put razor blades or something or poison into some sort of candy and fed it to his own kids. Yes. In fact, we actually talked about that on Monster Talk in the Slenderman episode. There's, oh. a, there's a name for that phenomena when when uh, a, a folklore item is acted out, and I can't think of the word. It's a really cool word. Oh, but, we need a folklorist. Well, or we need better records of what's said in our episodes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's so I, I, I let me interrupt again to say uh, the narrative. I guess to say thank you to all the people who have been uh, responding to our request for support. I don't know why we never thought of it before, but the idea of having uh, books from our wish list on Amazon has been phenomenal. I think I've already gotten four books. Uh, <laughs> just And my wife's like, I thought we were saving money. Why are all these books showing up? I'm like, you won't believe it. <laughs> oh, how kind. <laughs> it's the best thing. <laughs> so I'm super excited because all that work, I mean, all, all the, um, and by the way, if you do that, uh, please if you buy a physical book, buy a used one. We, I, I can read a used book just as well as an expensive new one. Or a Kindle. Or a Kindle. If you get a Kindle version, then I can share it with Karen and we don't have to, we only need one copy to share the, the information. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are great though. I really appreciate that. And uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to thank everybody besides me just saying well, thank you. But Yeah, I think maybe um, we can um, start answering questions as well from people we get a lot of questions on the facebook group and uh, i think it'd be fun to to start talking back to the listeners i think so too i do try to mention it when we get quite well of course what we usually do is respond to the questions via email right so you're right we don't really talk we talk we'll talk extensively via email but it might make sense to answer them right online that's a good point yeah well we do get a few emails every week you know, I, I get people messaging me on Facebook and uh, following me on Twitter, and I follow back, and, and then they send me direct messages. And so, yeah, we we have people who are really into the show and, and very interactive with it. I love that. I really do. It oh, me, me too. So I love hearing from that. people, and I love the suggestions that people have for future shows. And I was also thinking about that we've got Patreon. I, the reason I haven't made it active is because I want to make sure that um, for me, at least, I, I know you've got one, but I, I, for the show Patreon thing, I I haven't made it active until I can figure out what I can do to make it like it's like it's built to have returns. Like if you do it, we'll do these things, like rewards, if you will. The only yeah. one that's come to mind, and I don't know how people would feel about this or would, whether they would want it or not, but I was thinking mm-hmm. about if you contribute even a dollar, maybe we could do a um, a monthly newsletter, and if so. For a dollar a month or whatever, uh, that you get the newsletter. And I think that's a great idea. It'd be good to have feedback from from listeners and see what they think. Yeah. And but I think to certainly answer questions, and I can maybe throw in some books. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. 
I should write a book. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing that. You are. <laughs> Get it done. I, I'm so excited about it. The, the more I'm – I'm getting very active in the writing now instead of just re- – the problem is I, I, I've got that condition, I guess the same one we talked about Montague Summers, where you just want to keep researching it. Like, well, that's interesting. What does that lead to? Oh, that's interesting. What does that lead to? And Oh, yeah. At what point do you finish? Right. We, 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 live, we live in this strange world where I my insatiable curiosity has met the bottomless well of the internet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, – it's, it could be a really tough thing to break away and just get the work done. Yeah, you'll get there. You need a good editor. I do. I do. I need a good slap on the back, get back to work, you know. So. Oh, wow. But I, I am delighted in that. So um, I w- what we'll do also, I, I want to, like, have some kind of clever way to, ra- you know, not rank. That's the wrong word. I appreciate a dollar as much as $50. I appreciate it all. I'm Well, not exactly as much, but I appreciate it. I don't want to turn it into the kind of thing where people who – want to give $1,000 can just come be a co-host for an episode because it's like that's not really fair to, to because it, it yeah, to other people who don't have $1,000 right. <laughs> I can't explain why exactly I mean it's like I appreciate it but I'm not really doing this show for the money I'm doing it, it these little these contributions help offset the costs of what we've dumped into the show financially buying research materials uh, and just all the time that we put into it so. oh yeah an enormous amount of time and, and it's just got to the point where I think we've kind of had to to ask for a bit of support i i would say that while uh, we couldn't do the show or i i definitely couldn't without my wife's support um the delight that she showed on her face when i she realized that all four of the amazon packages that came (laughs) didn't cost us a penny was really worth it i it was totally oh that's not a call out for more books (laughs) (laughs) no that's really kind our listeners are fantastic they are they are really lucky and not, now, personally, if you just say, oh, man, I like Karen so much, but I hate Blake. Well, she's got a Patreon page. And it's like, if you're like, oh, I, I haven't like really Blake. done it. I haven't yeah. done a launch. I haven't done anything with it. It's just one of those things that, you know, you're thinking, I'm doing all of these things. Perhaps I should start monetizing them. Well, you could uh, review uh, Hit or Misses and, uh, and you could uh, buy a copy. Uh, not not in that order. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that, and and I can't wait for you to read it and to get an editorial review from you. Well, I like the the first chapter was very sexy, uh, and I, I, I yeah, I'm that. hoping it to really hook people and drag them in, and certainly I've had a lot of feedback about the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Made me consider changing careers to psychic. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but also. Um, I, I don't want to harp on that too much. This is uh, no. We just want to thank everyone. Yeah, I for, do want you know, to thank everyone. I, even just just listening to the show, we we just appreciate your support. Yes, absolutely. And you know, again, if you have zero dollars and or if you have lots of dollars and don't want to give any, it, but, you, <laughs> but you want to support the show, an iTunes review is great. Yeah. So, or, or even a download. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or when friends leave their phones, your friends. Subs- subscribe them against their will. They'll, <laughs> they'll thank you one. later, right? <laughs> yeah, recommend the show. <laughs> yeah, or recommend the show. I guess you mm-hmm. can do it that way if you don't want to sneak around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one or the other. Awesome. Well, that well, was all the things on my list. Yeah, me too. I'm excited about everything we've got coming up. I am too. I, I, I wish. I, it was all in the can, basically. I, I, I want to be like putting these episodes out. I, I'm so excited. Every one of these conversations we've got planned is just oh, well. A delightful. lot of these things are finally catching up on stuff we wanted to do for years. Yeah, yeah, it is great. So, uh, and I'm sure we'll have many more things. Um, 
Oh, that was one more thing. It's like the idea about the newsletter is it's like I thought it would be fun because there's topics that we we know about or want mm-hmm. to talk about, um, like maybe profiles of specific small monster cases that aren't really probably suitable for a whole episode. But what I was thinking yeah. was if we did mini profiles in the newsletter, mm-hmm. like one a month, then maybe like quarterly or something, we could do an episode where we kind of bring it Compile all into as, as an audio thing. But if you're a, yeah. a subscriber, then you would get that information early. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's yeah. a really good one because there are just lots of little stories and there isn't much information out there to go by, and but they're still worth mentioning. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. Monster Talk is an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views expressed here are those of myself and my co-host and do not necessarily represent the views of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. If you'd like to support Monster Talk, please give us a review on iTunes or go to our support page at monstertalk.org forward slash support. Thanks to everyone who's given us a book or contributed to the show. I plan to get some kind of formal thank you page together to acknowledge your generous gifts. And if you do send us a book, be sure and shoot us an email to let us know who to thank. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thanks again for listening. Want to stay abreast of the latest from Skeptic Magazine and the Skeptic Society? Want cutting-edge skeptical articles delivered straight to your inbox every week? Then subscribe to eSkeptic, the free electronic newsletter of the Skeptic Society. Visit Skeptic.com to sign up. It's a slow and insipid is the third Insidious. Word. Insidious, thank you. Yeah, it's, 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 and insipid, it's too. Quite, it's tepid and it's a pastiche. It's terrible. What? <laughs> Throw out as many wrong words as I possibly can. (laughs) So, allow me to circumcise for a moment about diabetes. (laughs) Not without condiments. That's right.